It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another Monday mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Blue Jackets coming off a nice win in Detroit. Well, it wasn't all nice, but it's nice to win. It's nice to get the result that you're looking for, and they did on Saturday in Detroit, winning in overtime 5-4. Big night for Jack Roslovic. He had three of the five goals, including the game winner in overtime. Jack getting his first hat trick as a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He came up big when they needed him to come up big. Justin Danforth and Cole Sillinger also had goals in that game for the Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets are back on the ice on Wednesday. They'll be taking on the Montreal Canadiens on Wednesday. It should be a very special night at Nationwide Arena with uh, a big debut to come. Kent Johnson joined the Blue Jackets yesterday. And Kent Johnson, of course, was the fifth overall pick in last summer's draft. And he is here. And not only did he come by himself, ironically, but the Blue Jackets also signed another player from Michigan. They signed their captain, Nick Blankenberg, who is a defenseman and will have the opportunity to try to open some eyes in the National Hockey League as the season winds down. But I've got a lot of questions from you to get to, so let's just do it right after I tell you about the fine folks over at Telhio Credit Union. You know I've told you that Telhio has been around for a long time. I've told you that they have great services. They take care of their customers. I've told you if you want to know the reason you should join a credit union as opposed to staying at a regular bank, the answer to that question and many more, in fact, should be every question that you have, go to telhio.org. Because if you can't find the answers just by clicking through the site, there's a live chat option if you are clicking during regular business hours and somebody will pop right up and they can answer your questions and tell you exactly the answer to the question that you have. Really simple. Very, very simple. And also tell Ohio Credit Union, they give back to the community. They have been involved in community service in the towns that have their branches in them for a long, long time. It's part of what they do. It's not just about being there and being in the building. It's about being there overall in the community. That's who they are at Telhio Credit Union. And that's why they have survived for so long because they give to you and they give back to everybody. So find out more about them again by going to telhio.org. Telhio Credit Union is open to everyone in central and southwestern Ohio. They're federally insured by NCUA. All right, let's get to it. Lots of questions today. And let's start with the voice questions that were sent to me via my email, bobbymack at bluejackets.com. Hey there, Bobby Mack. It's Don out in Virginia. Hope you're doing well. My Monday mailbag question today has to do with salary cap hits and underperforming and overperforming. So I don't know if you want to pull up cap friendly or whatever resource you want to look at the cap hits for each player on our team. But I'm thinking about players that aren't quite meeting expectations, especially when it comes to cap hits. And, you know, money is important as we head into this offseason, how much money we have available to sign players, new players, old players, this and that. Um, but just curious who you think is underperforming and overperforming. Just really quickly, my thoughts. I think for underperformers, We've got, unfortunately, Zach Wierenski and Elvis Merz-Lincolns. Obviously, they're valued players on the team. But for Elvis, $5 million cap hit. Uh, definitely not the best year for him. And Wierenski, great with the assists and the points productions. But uh, when we look at the plus minus and when we look at hits and just defensive prowess, 
I don't think he's worth quite seven million dollars this year and that's only gonna get worse going in the future and quickly for overperformers I think Danforth and Peak are prime candidates for that those guys have been great this year only making three quarters of a million dollars so they're doing great and deserve just a little bit more which they'll get next year curious to hear your thoughts thanks for taking my question have a great week all right, Donald, I'm a little bit perplexed here because I understand the question in talking about the salary cap, but first of all, the two players that you picked as underperformers shocks me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. And also, if I go to cap friendly, it doesn't seem that your numbers are correct either. First of all, Zach Wierenski, his cap hit this year is $5 million. It's not $7 million. It goes up to 9.5 next year which is a big jump, but you're talking about this year and underperforming. First of all, Zach Wierenski, you, like plus minus, there's a lot of guys that have crappy plus minus on this team. This team has not been a good team defensively. And I know you said about Zach and defensive prowess, but Zach is not a defensive prowess guy. Zach is a guy that's going to get you a lot of points from the blue line. I think he is far more responsible defensively this year than he has been in the past. I really think he has stepped up his game. I think he is a much better player. And you can't measure, you can't just measure all of the worth of a player based on the salary cap hit either. It's really important for Zach to be a part of what's going on here. And that's why he's going to get the $9.5 million starting next year because it was important to have him stay here. Did you have to overpay a little bit? Yeah, maybe so. But so what? There are teams that have to do that. This was a situation. You have a guy that wants to stay. You want to figure it out because of his character, what he brings on and off the ice, and they did it. So I'm sure as we go along throughout the course of his contract that kicks in next year, there will be times where people will be having this argument with me. Right now, I don't care. I don't care. It was necessary for him to be here. He is playing. I think he's playing much better this year. And to say Zach Wierenski in hits in the same sentence, Donald, come on. It's It just doesn't belong. Zach's not a guy that's going to light you up and hit you. As a matter of fact, Zach is really good at avoiding hits. He's, he's good at avoiding taking a hit, although this year he's taken a couple of hits that have knocked him out of the lineup for different periods of time. Okay, so, and I know you're talking about giving hits. That's not his game. That's not his game to give hits. I, you can't even bring that to me as a measuring stick, that category. You can't. That's not part of his game. So anyway, his cap hit this year is $5 million. Again, it's not seven. You also said Elvis is a $5 million cap hit. No, it is not. It's a $4 million cap hit this year. And with Elvis, you have to look beyond a lot of the numbers. Because what's going on with Elvis right now, he's played in over 50 games. Brad Larson is trying. He said this. He's not just trying. He will get him acclimated to being an everyday starter in the National Hockey League. He's trying to break him like you try to break a wild horse. When Elvis played in Switzerland, it was a much lighter schedule. There was a lot more time off. The travel wasn't like this. The intensity wasn't like this. The skill level wasn't like this. That's why he's playing every day. Larson has been very open about that. He said, I want him to play every game that's left. Personally, if he plays in L.A. and in Anaheim on this upcoming road trip, I'll be shocked because if there is a time to play J.F. Barube, one of those games, you got a night game, and then the other one happens less than 24 hours later, okay? So 
And I'm not saying Elvis isn't going to start them because this is what Larson has said. He wants them to start them all. And maybe he will just run them out there and keep doing it. But if there is going to be a day off, that's where I see it. Okay. But so when you put it into that capsule, that that's, you know, his numbers are not as great as you want them to be. The defense is not as good as a whole as you want it to be. We've talked about it this year, the inexperience of the defenseman as a whole, the lack of NHL games as a defenseman as a whole, okay? It's just going to happen. And what's more valuable is next year when the uh, 5.4 kicks in, or whatever it is, yeah, that's what it is, when that kicks in, you want him to be ready to go every day, and you want him to be ready to go not just through 82 games, but into the playoffs too. So I, I understand you want to talk about overperformers, underperformers, but the two guys that you picked out, I just don't get it. I think those are bad examples. I do think they're bad examples. Now, you gave good examples in your overperforming, Andrew Peake and Justin Danforth. Those are no-brainers. Those are slam dunks. I'd throw Sean Corrali in that too. And I know that uh, Corrali has a $2.5 million cap hit, but he's uh, he has done, if you ask me, he's done so much more than they thought that he would. I think if, you, if I had signed him, this is what I had hoped that I would get, but... I don't know if I would have expected everything that Sean has brought, again, on and off the ice. And I know that the cap hit isn't necessarily, you're not thinking about off the ice when you're talking about that, but it's been huge. Been absolutely huge. So I'm just, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm still stunned that you said Wierenski and Merzlikens. You know, in Elvis, his five-year contract kicks in next year. Zach's contract kicks in next year. These guys are going to be around. They are going to be around, but everybody around them is going to get better as well. So whatever numbers you're not happy with are going to get better. And if they don't get better, if we're sitting here at the same point next year and their salaries are inflated over what they are this year, you can ask me the question again and we'll have a different conversation about it. But as of right now, I just think that, you know, the, uh, the sum is greater than the parts. And there's a bigger picture here than than just that. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to belittle you for, for asking the question or anything like that. I'm just saying, I, I, this is, I guess maybe this is what the root of it is for me, is that this team is where we thought it was going to be. It's was not going to be a playoff team. It was going to be a team that was going to be competitive and was going to be in it until close to the end. I said that on day one, and that's the way that it's turned out to be. But playoffs, I never promised you that. I never believed that anyway. I wanted to believe it. They made me believe that it was possible at some points during the season, the way they played, but it didn't happen. Okay, big deal. So what? So that's that's the big picture here is gaining the experience that you need so that you can get back to the playoffs. And so I guess whole salary cap thing for me is, you know, when you're good, then you worry about that. Here's what I want to worry about when it comes to the salary cap. I want to worry about how are they going to sign a guy as an unrestricted free agent that's going to slot in as a centerman that's going to help them. I'm worried about how are they going to sign a guy that can play and has toughness that's going to protect them. I want to uh, worry about uh, getting a, a good, solid, stay-at-home defenseman who has toughness, as we've talked about in the past couple of weeks in finding the room to put those guys under the cap. Now, you might come back and say to me, okay, well, if you want to do that, I was talking to you about the, the money that these guys are making. They're underperforming. But that's not for this year. That's not a conversation for now. 
That's a conversation for the future. I hope it's a conversation for next year. It may not be a conversation till the year after that. So that's what I have to say about your question. Again, Donald, I appreciate it. And I hope everything's going well for you in Virginia. I'm just, again, I'm just perplexed by, by the two guys, by the two names. All right. But we move on. Next question. Hi, Bob. Jonathan in Grove City here. Wanted to ask you today about Patrick Laine. Uh, obviously, he's a really major difference maker when he's on, but he still has some notable warts to his game. Uh, the most obvious being, of course, the egregious turnovers that he makes at times. Um, his stick handling is not very good, in my opinion. He, he's so tall and, and his movements kind of tend to be very slow that it seems like more often than not he's getting the puck poked away from him. Uh, and that often happens at the top of the blue line, and then it's a break the other way. Um, so with that being said, do you think that that's an area of, the, of his game that he's going to be able to get under control more? I mean, to me, Patrick Liney's stick handling is at his best when he's skating hard with speed, which we've only seen a few times. I mean, the notable end-to-end goal we saw earlier this season, uh, which was awesome. But when he's kind of not moving his feet, it seems like he's more often than not making a turnover or trying to force a pass or things like that. Um, And and to me, that's still the biggest concern that I have with him, um, short-term and long-term, making him a staple of the team, is that he's so turnover-prone with those that if he was anybody else, he would be riding the pine a lot more than he is. I get that you have there's trade-offs to to high-end talent, uh, and certainly when he's good, he's really incredible. But that being said, what are your thoughts about that? About him shoring up that part of his game? Do you think he can? Do you think he will? Um, do you think that even if he never does, that he's well worth it? Um, you know, just want to get your thoughts. Thanks, Bob. Well, Jonathan, I'm going to start by saying you're right. Patrick Laine is moving too slow right now. I wouldn't say that his stick handling. Uh, isn't good. Well, you said that, and then you said that his stick handling is better when he's moving faster. So, yes, you're right on that. He's not moving as well right now. I think Patrick still falls into this trap of feeling like he has to do too much sometimes, no matter who he's playing with. I think there are times that he tries to put everything on himself. He comes down the ice, and he's trying to go in one-on-two, one-on-three, one-on-four sometimes, and he's losing the puck in those situations. So I'll give you that. You're you're right about that. But then you're also right when you said what a gifted player he is and that he, um, you know, when he's on, he's spectacular. Nobody was talking about his stick handling when he was on that scoring streak, were they? Oh, no, they weren't. Why? Because he was skating fast, he was carrying the play, and he was making things happen. So he needs to get back to that. Now, I'm just going to tell you this, and this is not an excuse, and I'm not – I'm not going to speak for Patrick by any means, but I'm just going to give you a, a situation and the way life is sometimes. You're playing out the string. You've got 10 games left, nine games left now, and there's light at the end of the tunnel. You've had a great season, and you know recently you've been playing teams that have checked you really hard, and if you're going to the playoffs, you probably fight through that stuff a little bit more, and you... You probably give the extra effort, and then sometimes, depending upon the situation, you just kind of back it down a little bit. Your team's not going to the playoffs, don't want to get hurt, anything like that. And again, I'm not speaking for him. I'm just saying that this does happen in situations, and maybe that's the case with him. I can't tell you. He would have to tell you. He would probably say no, quite frankly, Um, but he does try to do too much at times. Um, He still – listen – 
the guys that have been playing with him have done well, but there is um, there are times, and, and there are many times, quite frankly, when he's out there and the other team can double-team him. They can the, His other winger hasn't been enough of a threat on a regular basis to score, not just to pass. I mean, Voracek can pass. But if you take away line A and he can't get the pass to him, well, then that's going to change the entire situation. Boone Jenner, God love him. Is he a number one center in a normal situation? No, he is not. Is Jack Roslevic a number one center in a regular situation? No, he is not. He's he's learning. He's trying to learn the position. So, you know, there, there are some things there that you have to look at too. But, yes, he does need to speed up his game. He, uh, he does need to get back, or I would like to see him get back to what he was doing, not scoring, you know, 12 goals in the last nine games or anything like that. That would be great. But just just get back to being a really dangerous threat. And you have another good point, too. On a team that has a struggling defense, when you're turning the puck over at the blue line, you're asking those guys to do a little bit more than you'd like to see them to do in some cases. But... I still think Patrick Laine is a guy that's got to figure here uh, in the long term because he can score. When he's on, and we again, we saw it a couple of weeks ago, when he's on, he's fantastic. And there is nobody, and I mean nobody else on this team, that can do the things that he can do when he's going right. So um, until you find that somebody or you find a combination of somebodies that can compensate for that, I think you got to have him personally. So – that's my opinion on that. All right, I've got some other questions that have been emailed to me. I'll go through right now. Uh, Alex Painter says, with the young guys coming in starting at the end of this year and early next, what guys on the team now that are everyday guys turn into fighting for a spot to stay in the lineup kind of guys? Well, I think that, uh, well, let's just look at it. Let's break it down. Let's go top line. Uh, is Line A going to have to fight? No. Is Nyquist going to have to fight? No. Is Voracek going to have to fight? No. Is Bjorkstrand? No. Um, let's see. Who else? Who's uh, Sillinger? No. He's not going to have to fight. Uh, get to the third line. Uh, Corrali? No. Danforth? No. But Danforth's going to be a guy that's going to have to be playing well on a regular basis to be able to stay in, night in and night out, I I do believe. Uh, Bemstrom is going to have to fight. Robinson is going to have to fight. Um, who am I missing? Gantz? I I can't see Brendan Gantz being here. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I, I don't see that right now. Uh, Roslovic, uh, he's played much better here. Well, he, he played much better for a couple of weeks. He took a big dip, and then he was better. He was good in Detroit the other night. So, you know, he that's another guy. He plays center, so that, that gives him an advantage. You know, is Boone Jenner going to have to fight to stay in the lineup? No, he's not. Um, but with Jack playing center, you know, let's look at it. As it stands right now, let's just look at next year. Um, you know, if you could get somebody to play that top-line center position as opposed to Boone, but there is nobody. I said let's look at it right now. So let's just say Boone is still there. Then you got Sillinger. Then you got Roslovic, and you got Corrali. That's pretty good. It's pretty good right down the middle, right? Again, though, I'd rather see Boone either further down as a centerman or going back to the wing so he can pound the heck out of people. But, um, you know, those are the guys. And on defense, when defense, they've kind of already started to weed guys out. I know Gabriel Carlson was back in in Detroit, but he was in as a seventh defenseman. Dean Kukin hasn't played the last uh, number of games. He's an unrestricted free agent. Jake Christensen's been getting a look 
Uh, Nick Blankenberg is, is going to get a look here. I don't know how many looks he's going to get coming out of Michigan, but he's going to get a chance to open their eyes at least a little bit. So, um, you know, Christensen, are they going to split that with Blankenberg? Because who else are you going to take out? You're going to take Bean out? You're going to take Boquist out? Probably not. Gavrikov, absolutely not. Peek, Wierenski, uh-uh. So maybe there's just a little bouncing around on the back end between a couple of young guys uh, for the rest of this season. And then, you know, Blankenberg, depending upon what he can do, um, you know, he probably winds up with a an AHL contract or maybe a two-way contract next year. We'll have to wait and see how it all works out for him. Corey Schneider says, uh, I'm sure you'll get a lot of comments uh, condemning the hit from Brad Marchand on Monday. And while I absolutely think it deserved at least a penalty and in reality a suspension based on current NHL standards, I would still take a guy like Marchand on my team every time, and every player in the league would likely say the same thing. The problem I have is why did it take a hit like on peak, like that on peak to get this group fired up and play a physical high-octane game? I was proud of the way they responded and stood up for themselves, especially peak. I'm just going to stop right there and answer that. This isn't a team that is um, – proactive when it comes to that kind of play they're reactive to it we saw that in Detroit they're reactive to it they're not proactive to it they just don't have a proactive kind of guy like that um would everybody like to have Marchand you can say no but if you're a real fan you're a liar because absolutely absolutely you'd like to have him or a guy that plays like him somebody that you love to have on your team but you hate to play against no doubt about that um Corey goes on to say, I'll admit I've probably only watched half the games this season, but that Bruins game was by far the most entertaining. I think it exposed the lack of toughness on the current roster and my belief that Yarmo overemphasizes skill alone. We talked about that last week, and um, I just think that's going to be addressed sooner than later. Corey says, on another note, I just recently moved to the Columbus area from Cincinnati, and I was really excited to attend the Flyers game on Thursday. That was a very ugly game. But on top of being a complete snooze fest, it was one of the sloppiest games I've seen in person and seemed completely uninspired. I get we're in the dog days of the season, but that effort at home seemed pretty troubling. It was, and everybody admitted to that, and that's why it was good to see them come back and get done what they did get done in Detroit on Saturday. But, Corey, more importantly, welcome to Columbus. Glad to have you here. Glad that uh, – because I know you you chime in all the time on these shows and – um I'm glad you're going to get to see more games. I really am. Here's a question from Lon. Lon says, uh, love your show. I wish it was broadcast every day. Yeah, me too. Me too. But I got to get paid more for it, Lon. Sorry. (laughs) I'm kidding. About half. Lon says, compared to other major league teams and major markets, the Blue Jackets and NHL media coverage is still pretty sparse in Columbus. Oh, is is it ever? Is it ever? Trying to get more people to learn it and talk about it is uh, a challenge in and of itself. But I continue. Here's Lon's question. How is it that the Blue Jackets were able to sign Nick Blankenberg? Why is he not required to enter the NHL draft but can instead sign directly with the Blue Jackets? He's 23 years old, so has he somehow passed the requirement to enter the draft? Yes, he has. Because after once you're past 20, then you can come in the way that Nick has. So yes is the answer to that question. And Lon also has a Hockey 101 question. When there are two simultaneous minor penalties on each team, sometimes the teams go to four-on-four, and sometimes they remain at five-on-five. I can't figure out how that decision is made. 
Can you enlighten me? Uh, when there are minor penalties, it's uh, it's four on four. If they're major penalties, fighting penalties, then it's five on five. So, and I'm trying to sit here and think, go through my mind right now and think that uh, when there's a situation, and maybe I'm just drawing a blank because I'm doing this in the middle of the night, but you know, minor penalties should be four on four and major penalties should be five on five. And believe me, if there's some situation I forgot because I'm because I'm fighting through it right now, just to think, I know I'll be corrected, which is a blessing and a curse all in its own right. All right, time to go to Twitter. At Bobby Max Sports is where you can find me on Twitter. Heather has a question. She says, um, when the season is over, what will happen with Matisse Kiblenik's number 80 banner? The team said it would be up this season. Will it go into the history? Will it go into the history wall? Well, onto the history wall, I guess. Um, Heather says, I'd like to see it stay in the rafters myself. I don't know, Heather. I know they said at the beginning of the year it was going to stay there throughout the season. I haven't asked what the uh, plan is uh, beyond that. I It would be moved to somewhere else. It wouldn't just be gone, I would think. But I'm with you. If they said, uh, hey, we're just going to leave it there, that would be fine by me. I, I would have no problem with that whatsoever. But I don't know what the ultimate plan is with that. Uh, Sarah checks in and she says, you have that one-on-one interview with Brad Larson before every game that you play on the radio pregame show. Are those available for listening after the game somewhere? And if not, could those be, I really enjoyed last season, the interviews you had with John Tortorella. Yeah. They, and, and I enjoy my interviews with, uh, Brad Larson. They're not as uh, fun and colorful as those with John Tortorella, but I think that goes beyond saying <laughs> John Tortorella is a, He's a different kind of cat when it comes to that. And we had such a great relationship, and uh, he was very open about everything. Um, So it's different, but it still is informative, and it's still fun. And right now those aren't available, but uh, we can talk about that and and make that available for you, I'm sure. But here is uh, Sayla's question. Would it be a pipe dream to see Kent Johnson between Patrick Laine and Gus Nyquist right away since the rest of the season is just evaluating players? Like with mindset, why not? Or do you see them take the cautious way and ease him into the lineup? This is a really good question because I have just been of the mindset that he's going to come in, he's going to play on the wing, and they're going to ease him into the lineup. And I've, I think that because he hasn't played center in a long time. He wasn't playing center at Michigan, and he wasn't playing center when he went to the Olympics. He's been playing wing. Now, that doesn't mean they couldn't do that. But listen, he's a 19-year-old kid. He's not very big right now. I mean, he's going to fill out as he, you know, he works out and builds muscle and develops and all that stuff. He's going to be a completely different kid three years from now than he is right now. Okay? So that's a lot of responsibility. I don't know if they're going to throw him right into the middle and say, all right, kid, show us what you got. And that's, that's a lot. Because you want him to have success. You want to see what he can do, but you want to put him in a position to succeed. You don't want him going into the summer going, oh, my gosh. Like, can I play in this league? I I don't know. Can I? Am am I good enough? Like, I got knocked around. I I got no – I didn't have very many points. It was totally different from everything I've done. And maybe that could still be the case with him playing on the wing. You never know. But I'm just saying – I would think they want to put him into a position to succeed. So 
I would be surprised if they put him in the middle, and I would be shocked if they put him in the middle between those two guys right away on Wednesday night. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying I think it's unlikely to happen. But I appreciate your question because you're thinking, and you're thinking more than me because I'm just sitting here going, well, they're going to make it easy on him, break him in easy. like they did. And I've said this before on this show. They did that with Alexander Wenberg. They did that with Pierre-Luc Dubois. They may have even done it with Ryan Johansson back at the beginning, now that I think about it. So um, anything could happen. I think that's the beauty of all of this. Anything could happen. But I can't wait to see him play. I really can't. I have uh, I've watched the highlights like many of you have, and I want to see what he can do in this league. And even if he comes out guns a-blazing and does a whole bunch of stuff, doesn't mean that that's how it's going to be every game next year. Uh, teams will adjust to him. Teams will put the body on him and all that stuff. If they can, maybe he's maybe he's too slippery. I don't know. We'll find out. But um, I, I just want to see him play. I'm excited. I'm excited about seeing him play and seeing how he fits with what is here right now. And what is here right now isn't what is going to be here overall. You know, with guys that are out because of injury or, you know, Sean Corrales went in the COVID protocol, didn't play in Detroit. So, you know, it's it's not the group. It's not the full group, but I want to see him play with what's here. Uh, Robinson's Renegade says, Eric Robinson is a solid passer and the power play is flat. What are the chances he gets a look on the power play before the season's over? It's a fair question because you're right, the power play is flat. But if you're asking me if I think Eric Robinson is the remedy to that, I do not. That's nothing against Eric Robinson. He's he's a good penalty killer. Uh, power play, yeah, he might be a good passer, but even though they're flat, the guys that are out there are better passers. And that's just the bottom line. So uh, I won't say no because anything could happen. You know, he could get rewarded for playing a good game. Somebody could get hurt. They could put him in there. So I'm not going to say absolutely not, but I will say highly unlikely. I wouldn't do it. And if I did do it, I wouldn't have him out there passing. I'd have him standing right in front of the goalie. I'd have that big body screening the goalie and looking to pick up rebounds and put him back in the net. I, I wouldn't have him passing. No, sir. I don't care how good of a passer you think he is. He's bigger than he is a better passer. I, he, he would have, what I'm saying is, to me, it would be a bigger strength to stand there and take the goalie's eyes away than have him zipping the puck from one side of the rink to the other. That would be, that'd be a waste of time, quite honestly. It would be. Where he would have success would be right in front of the goalie. Where he would have the potential to have success would be right in front of the goalie. Logan Detweiler says, uh, if the Blue Jackets keep winning, will they make the playoffs as a wild card? I think the question is, can they still, not will they? All right? Because you've got nine games left. That's uh, 18 points. Right now they've got 74. 74 plus 18 is, what, 92? Washington's in the last spot. They've got 90. So I feel safe in saying this, Logan. No, they won't. Unfortunate, and you can tell me mathematically, and I'll tell you, the, the math doesn't add up. So, unfortunately, I'll have to say no. Gerald Lucas says, when do you think we will see Kent Johnson play? 
And if you were Yarmo, what moves do you make this offseason as far as bringing in talent, and who do you re-sign? You re-sign Line A, who, again, is a restricted free agent, so one way or the other, you're going to qualify him. Um, again, I think Ken Johnson's playing Wednesday. Why wouldn't he play Wednesday? They didn't have him playing Detroit. I get that. He was just in Boston. They lost on, uh, what was it, Thursday they lost, and then they went back to Michigan say their goodbyes to everybody, sign a contract, and boom, they're in Detroit on Saturday. But there was no need for those guys to play on Saturday night. Just too much going on. You Again, when you talk about putting them in a position to succeed, either one of them, having them come in and play in Detroit on Saturday is not that position. There are practices. They've got two practices before the game on Wednesday. They will be in a much better position to succeed on Wednesday against the Montreal Canadiens. Um, as far as bringing in talent, what do you get? It depends what's out there. I, I don't know what's going to be out there. If you can find a centerman, then you're going to try to get a centerman in here. If you can find toughness of guys that can play, you're going to try to get that in here. If you could find some, some more solid defense, because that's where you've been porous. Again, we've talked about it. The guys that are here are going to have more experience next year. But if you can find some experience out there, then, uh, and you're willing to pay for it, then you go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and do it. Uh, finally, Phil Hoffman says, according to Money Puck, the Blue Jackets have the most shots on goal against and the most medium and high danger shots combined against in the NHL. Personnel aside, what are the differences in on-ice positioning between this season and two years ago? Well, the difference in the X's and O's is this is more of a, you know, not a wide open offense, but it's more of an open offense. Uh, they don't pack five guys in front of the goaltender like they did for all those years under John Tortorella. Um, it is more more of a give and take here with this, so that results in some of it. But again, I think all of this goes back to the inexperienced defense. They just and, – and even even Elvis, even Elvis, quite frankly, uh, I think he has to go in that category too. He's, he's done a lot of good things this season, but there have also been a lot of goals that have – leaked through and, you know, ones that the old quote-unquote he'd like to have that back kind of thing. He's got to get better. He's got to get better, and I think he will get better based on what he dealt with this year. Um, but to me, that's that's the biggest thing. It's it's the inexperienced defense. It's – Elvis is still – it's a he's a first-year starter. He may have been here, but it's the first year he's getting the workload. So, you know, he'll get better. The defense will get better. And But you've got to utilize the offensive talent that you have. And this team takes many more chances than previous teams have taken. And so they're doing that. They've got the more open offense. We talked about line A earlier and turning the puck over at the blue line. It results uh, many times an odd man rushes back the other way. That factors into that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, the, the forwards have to be smarter with the puck at times. The defense has to just – gain more experience, and the goaltender has to do that as well. So that's that, that's why you see that stuff. You turn the puck over in, in your own end, and all of a sudden you're going to find yourself in a medium or high-danger shot area, right? So uh, take care of the puck better. And as you get older and you get more experience, you just tend to do that. Osmosis, is that is that what it's called? When you're just around and it just happens? I think that's where they are on that. So the Blue Jackets, uh, again, practice. I, I can't wait to see 
the Monday practice today and, and see where Kent Johnson is slotted in to the lineup and see what uh, the role is going to be for the new number 13 and to see if uh, Nick Blankenberg is going to get a chance to get into that game on Wednesday against Montreal. How about these two kids? They show up at a perfect time. I mean, they had a great season. I know they didn't win a championship in the NCAA, and that sucks. I get it. But they come out of college hockey, they sign contracts, and they get here just in time to go on the West Coast swing to California. I saw Kent Johnson in the press box in Detroit the other night. And Detroit, I mean, they went from Joe Louis Arena where there really wasn't a press box. It was this quote-unquote press area that was brutal. And it was skinny and you, you couldn't – it was uh, it wasn't even big enough to change your mind in, let alone change the direction you were walking. It was brutal. And now they've got this gondola that hangs over the ice that is – you know, a double-decker thing where our broadcast booths are on the bottom and then we go up the stairs at the intermission and there's there's drinks, there's there's coffee, there's soda, there's water, there's candy up there. There's It's just, it, it's, I know, I know, it's a tough life. And I saw Ken Johnson walking through there and uh, I just looked at him and I said, don't worry, it won't take you long to get spoiled in this league. And he laughed, but you know, he'll find out. And you get to go, your first road trip is going to be L.A., Anaheim, San Jose. Lucky kids coming here at a good time. And it is a good time because it's it's a time where, you know, if this team's in a playoff run, they're not going to get as many looks as they are potentially going to get with this team in the spot that it is right now. So it's not ideal not to be in the playoffs. And, you know, I you know me. Far be it from me to start, you know, blaring the trumpet about we've got to be excited about this draft pick but this guy seems different he just seems different based on the way that he is scratched and clawed to get to where he is um everything i've heard about him from people i've talked to about him uh, watching the games watching the highlights watching what he has done i think he's different i hope he's different we all hope he's different we all hope that he's a guy that's going to come in and be an impact guy but uh, we're going to get a glimpse we are going to get a glimpse, and I am excited about that, and I hope that you are too. That's going to do it for today's Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Thank you for your questions, as always. I appreciate it, and until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.